Listening In With Permission by Catalyst for Payment Reform is a collection of 15 to 20-minute phone conversations on innovative healthcare purchasing between CPR staff and healthcare luminaries. CPR's mission is to catalyze employers, public purchasers, and others to implement strategies that produce higher-value healthcare and improve the functioning of the healthcare marketplace. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Listening In on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at Catalyze.org for more information about the benefits of CPR membership. Hi, this is Jeff Hogan. Oh, yeah. Hi, Jeff. This is Ryan Olmstead at Catalyst for Payment Reform. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Great. Well, it's really nice to connect with you today on the topic that we have at hand. And, you know, so I just kind of wanted to start off by letting you know that we have an audience from Catalyst for Payment Reform listening in today. So I'm wondering if you could just start by briefly introducing yourself and talking about some of your work in bringing value to healthcare. I'd be happy to. So I've been in healthcare for about 38 years I'd say the most interesting thing about my background is I've pretty much worked in every area of the healthcare uh, ecosystem, provider, health systems, employers on the commercial side, data and analytics, point solutions. And my focus has been, particularly for the last six to eight years, on value-based healthcare, namely payment reform and Care Transformation, co-founded the Moving to Value Alliance, which is a a national not-for-profit group that is focused on value-based healthcare solutions and is a big tent group for payers, providers, health systems, employers, large, small, medium-size, any of those that are really focused on value-based healthcare. I've had the opportunity over my career to to work with provider groups and health systems and employers and payers focused on payment issues and the management of risk. And in particular, right now, working on the Consolidated Appropriations Act and really aligning supply and demand in healthcare, kind of an exciting time. Great. Thanks for that background, Jeff. Now, you know, you touched on at the very end, the CAA and, you know, here here that you've worked on every side of the healthcare ecosystem. But I did want to specifically touch on the role of employer purchasers, specifically the chief financial officer and their role. My next question, you know, in terms of historically speaking, what has been the role of a CFO in terms of buying healthcare for an organization's employees and plan members? And how and why might that CFO responsibility be changing? It's a, it's a great question. The, the CFOs of most companies have responsibility ultimately for profit and loss within the companies and the financial aspects and infrastructure of accountability for the companies as well. And, and traditionally and often the healthcare purchasing decision process has been conveyed to CHROs, HR folks, and they 
in turn to brokers and consultants. And what we're finding now because of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, often the CFO is the named fiduciary for the employer. Often it's for the retirement plan and also for the health plan as well. However, the CFOs for for most companies have had little responsibility specifically being involved operationally in the procurement of health services. Now, under this new Consolidated Appropriation Act, the named fiduciary, again, often the CFO, is the person who is personally liable for the fiduciary responsibility of procurement. So it it certainly has changed things a bit. And the CAA imposes specific responsibilities on that named fiduciary, which we're only just starting to discover and which everyone is talking about right now because of some end of year reporting requirements. Jeff, that's a really helpful background now. This role from a CFO's perspective has been perhaps maybe a bit more intensive over the last several years on the retirement side. And now it sounds like it will be growing in some sort of way on the healthcare side. And so, you know, my I'm wondering, should employer purchasers be scared about the change? Should CFOs maybe even be scared about this change or these changes? And why or why not? Yeah, it's a it's a great description. Scared is potentially a, a really good word to describe this. So so under under the CAA, the name fiduciary again often the CFO of the organization must ensure that purchasing where procurement is done in the best interests of the plan beneficiaries, solely in the interest of the plan beneficiaries. There's a whole bunch of other aspects as well relative to procurement. The procurement must be in an unbiased fashion. And, you know, if you think about it, and particularly what we were just talking about with the CFO having limited role in the operational aspects of procuring health services, by the end of this year, there's a requirement, December 31st, that employers must attest that, in fact, their plans have removed gag clauses from the plans. And and often, you know, what the effect of this is, is that gag clauses have often kept employers away from their own healthcare data and analytics, namely to know what exactly it is that they're paying for services at the right price or the wrong price, bad quality, and a whole host of other information. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a group of CFOs and I posed a very, very specific question to them about this. And they said, in in what other area of your responsibility do you not know what things cost or have accountability around what things cost do you not know what things 
should cost, or do you not know what things could cost? And I got some really quixotic looks from the folks that were in the room and we discussed this afterwards. And, you know, it's, it's unusual here, here you are typically the second largest expenditure that most employers make after wages is for their health plan. And here we are often that the CFO or the named fiduciary hasn't had a whole lot of involvement or responsibility associated with what they're paying for or the appropriateness or accountability associated with it. Great. Well, that must have been a very enlightening meeting for those CFOs in the room, I can imagine. And December 2023 is quickly approaching. I can imagine that HR benefits staff are preparing for these changes, preparing to work with their CFO on the attestation. For those who aren't, or for those who are trying to find their way, how can they prepare for the changes? What should they be doing to work with the C- their CFO differently? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's, it's pretty interesting because a lot of employers have no insight into this issue at all. And, and often their agents and brokers are not telling them about it or telling them not to be worried about it. So this is a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty substantial question and issue and what have you. You know, often CFOs and other members of the C-suite are working with their accountants, their attorneys, and other business consultants to give them direction specifically on issues associated with running their companies. And this is not an exception to that, that we're, we're finding you know, many of these resources are learning about this, learning that the name fiduciary actually has personal liability for exercising their fiduciary duty and that that, that responsibility actually extends in many cases to their boards of directors as well. So it's serious business that they take care of this. So the general rule for all companies, because CAA extends to small groups and middle markets and large groups, and it doesn't matter if they're fully insured or self-funded, the responsibility exists. So we have been recommending that most companies go out and secure an independent organization to come in and really explain the fiduciary duties. This is, there are a number of companies out there that do this. And often these companies are recommending to employers that they create a fiduciary committee, which may include the CHRO, the CFO, uh, in some cases, if there are unions involved, the heads of the unions, those that have an interest in basically how health services are procured and accountability for these things. When in fact, the fiduciary duty is explained, we know that once this gag clause attestation is made, most employers are basically saying that they're receiving, finally, all of their data and analytics from their payer, which they may not have received in the past. And they need a resource and a 
appropriate resource, an intentional analytics company that can really tell them if what they're paying is appropriate, if they're paying for bad quality, if they're paying for variation, even if they're paying for fees on arbitraged claims that are inaccurate. Really to get some clarity around what matters most in their population from a demand side so that they can go out and basically contract accountable health services that are appropriate to the needs of that population. At Catalyst for Payment Reform, we understand the challenges that healthcare purchasers face when trying to access critical data. That's why we've dedicated our time and effort to creating resources to break barriers to purchaser data, access, ownership, and use. We invite you to visit Catalyze.org and check out our resource library for a full suite of plug-and-play tools. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which will keep you informed on new and existing CPR resources, the latest in healthcare policy and regulation, and innovative purchaser strategies. Level up your healthcare purchasing today. Thanks. Thanks for that, Jeff. And I'm, I'm glad you raised the data and anal- analytics portion of this as well. As you may know, and as some on our some who are listening in know, CPR has been doing a lot around educating about data ownership, access, and use to individual claims and clinical data. I'm curious from your perspective, Jeff, you know, looking three to five years down the road around these aspects, you know, data ownership, access, and use purchaser healthcare strategies, since they have to sign off in terms of a fiduciary responsibility, even CFO engagement in health benefits purchasing. What do, you, what do you see happening with regards to where we're at now and where we're going on this topic? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the answer is that we're seeing the market respond to the demand already. And all around us, we're seeing provider groups and health systems prepare themselves for moving into value-based solutions. So nationally, we see capitated advanced primary care organizations moving into regions that have huge variation in cost and quality between and among their health systems. And we're seeing many of these well-financed capitated advanced primary care organizations looking to partner with legacy provider groups who have traditionally been fee-for-service and helping them to adopt payment reform and care transformation to be more relevant to employer populations. If you think about it, if you can attribute advanced primary care or DPC to the full population of a group, it creates a rubric of total cost of care accountability for that group. And in turn, if that organization gets access to good population data and analytics, these organizations can help the employer to integrate the appropriate digital health strategies that that population needs. So it's It's really kind of cool to see this movement 
around the country into value-based arrangements. And, and really, what does it do for fiduciaries in, in adopting payment reform and care transformation? We give great access to care for members, but we also create predictability when that provider group is going at risk. We're creating predictability in the risk to get rid of the variability that has traditionally existed in financing these health plans. We're also seeing the growth APMs or bundles in episodes of care. Basically, if you think about it, most employers who self-fund their health plans have certain services, knees and hips and babies and shoulders and cabbages and colonoscopies that are repeatable services year after year after year. But if we look at the spend of these populations, often the costs for these services are are widely variable because of costs Mm -hmm. and quality. Being able to negotiate a targeted price and a warranty episodically on these high volume and sometimes high cost services creates predictability for the employer and greater and more predictable outcomes for the members of the group as well. Thanks for that, Jeff. Yeah, it's really interesting. The, you know, these regulations here, how, you know, if I were to summarize what you said, they truly looking ahead three to five years from now, have the potential to transform payment and delivery reform, as well as specific employer purchaser strategies. So, you know, we'll have to, a few years down the road, check in again and and take state of where we're at and where things are continuing to head. So thanks for your time today, Jeff. It was great connecting with you and having inviting you to speak to our audience about the CFO responsibilities and, and these regulations. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I enjoyed the conversation. All right. Take care, Jeff. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for supporting CPR's mission to improve the function of the healthcare marketplace. And don't forget to subscribe to listening in on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at catalyze.org for more information about the benefits of CPR membership.